Welcome to Living Water Radio. The Bible says that the church is the body of Christ, and that Christ is its head. Is that what it means to get ahead in the reign of God? Today, we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkettall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, I'm serving part-time in Monterey Park, California, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. I've read that two of the best-selling kinds of books are cookbooks and diet books. I think I'm seeing a pattern there. Religious books are very popular. The Bible is a perennial bestseller, as are self-help books. Self-help books are especially popular in the United States, where we tend to be optimistic and believe that we can improve ourselves and our position in life to a greater degree than is believed in many more class-conscious societies. But while we're not as class-conscious as other countries, we are very status-conscious. We talked about keeping up with the Joneses for many decades before we were keeping up with the Kardashians. Look how many people in L.A. judge others by the car that they drive, where we live, and what musicians we listen to. We are tempted. We are tempted to want what others want, and especially what our friends, what our peer group, our co-workers, our family, and our team thinks that we should want. We want to get ahead. To do so, there is a lot of pressure on us to be what others want us to be. We need to look a certain way, dress a certain way, have certain things, and we can do that. Southern California is the place that people come to reinvent themselves. In the 1970s, there was a joke among pastors that that white stuff on the Sierras wasn't snow. It was the church transfer letters discarded by Lutherans moving out here from Minnesota. But it started way before that. Dale Carnegie wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People in 1936. It became one of the best-selling books of all time, with over 30 million copies sold to date. What did he say was the most beautiful sound to any person's ears? Their name. You can thank Mr. Carnegie for the number of times you hear your name when someone wants to sell you something. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill was published in 1937 and has sold 15 million copies and was named the sixth best-selling business book 70 years after its original release. Norman Vincent Peale wrote The Power of Positive Thinking in 1952. Reverend Robert Schuller, who promoted possibility thinking, was said to have been greatly influenced by him. But when Reverend Peale denounced Adlai Stevenson as being unfit to be president because he was divorced, and John F. Kennedy unfit because he was a Catholic, Stevenson said, I find St. Paul appealing and St. Peale appalling. I guess self-help can only take you so far. Many other books have followed from Looking Out for Number One to Being Your Own Best Friend. 
Today, books have been replaced by social media and the role of influencers on everything from what we buy to what we believe about ourselves. I often think about the pastor I know who sat beside a person on an airplane who said that they didn't go to church because it was boring, and they rattled off the things that they did instead. The pastor said, I am always interested in people who find ancient religion boring, but who find themselves endlessly fascinating. This is not a new phenomenon. I remember hearing George Carlin, a comedian who had been burned by religion, talking about how culture had changed over time. He said that in the 1880s, people started reading a magazine called Life. Things don't get much broader than Life. Then in the 1920s, a new magazine got popular called Time. Time is also encompassing, even more so than Life. Then A magazine called People became popular in the 1970s. People are a smaller part, a part of life. Then people started reading Us Weekly. Not all people, just some people. Us. Then in 1979, another magazine got popular. It was just called Self. Martin Luther, the 16th century church performer, once described the effects of sin on people as making us curved in on ourselves rather than being curved out toward God. He said, Our nature, by the corruption of the first sin, being so deeply curved in on itself that it not only bends the best gifts of God toward itself and enjoys them as is plain in the works righteous and hypocrites, or rather even uses God himself in order to attain these gifts. But it also fails to realize that it so wickedly, curvedly, and viciously seeks all things, even God, for its own sake. Jesus describes and challenges the outcome of this human curved inness in a story in Luke chapter 14, verses 1 and 7 through 14, starting with verse 1. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. They had their eyes on Jesus. The religious authorities were watching Jesus to see what he was going to do next. He had already healed on the Sabbath in Luke 13, 10-17, something the authorities thought looked like work on the Sabbath, and then he does it again in Luke 14, 2-6. He challenges the religious authorities to tell him why he shouldn't, and they can't, again. But instead of backing off, he continues by challenging their desire to get ahead in their culture in verses 7-10. through When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host, and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place, and then, in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. So, do the authorities get some practical wisdom in how to behave, in how to win friends and influence people? We don't live in an honor and shame culture, so what difference does it mean to us anyway? 
Most wedding receptions have assigned seating, so we're not likely to embarrass ourselves in that way today. I read a news story online the other day about a man and his partner who had booked a transatlantic flight months in advance and spent two hours and some extra cash to reserve bulkhead seats with extra legroom so that they could be comfortable during the 10-hour flight. Three days before their scheduled departure, the person who did the booking got an email from the airline saying that their seats had been moved back a few rows. A mother with a baby needed those seats to be near the bathroom and to have room for the baby's bed and other things. The man was livid. He had done everything right. He deserved to have the roomier seats. Is that the way Jesus would see it? And what difference does it mean to us anyway? So far, Jesus has used the white gloves. Now, he drops the hammer among a group of the upwardly mobile, clawing their way to get ahead, and we see his message for we curved in on ourselves people in verse 11. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the way it is in the kingdom of God where God reigns. Things are different in the eyes of God, and one day God will hold each person accountable for how they treat others in response to the living relationship, the transformational relationship with God that he offers to each person on earth. David Geffen is one of the founders of Asylum Records, the founder of Geffen Records, and one of the three founders with Steven Spielberg and Jeffrey Katzenberg of DreamWorks SKG. He is a cabillionaire and a prominent L.A. philanthropist. One of my cousins, Pat Matheny, played a gig at the Greek Theater when he recorded for Geffen Records. There was an after-party in a backstage adjacent space, and people were crowded in waiting for Pat and the band to come out and join them. The line into the women's restroom had stretched out into the party area, while the men's restroom had no line. I saw David Geffen go into the men's restroom and shoo everyone out. Then he went to the middle of the line for the women's restroom and directed that half of the line to use the men's restroom until there were no lines. He didn't have to do that. He could have had one of his people do that, but he did not mind taking the role of washroom attendant to make his guests comfortable. This is what I think is David Geffen's greatness, not his fortune or his success, but his humility. Then Jesus drills in on the host personally, though with all others hearing and seeing, which was very unusual behavior in a place that was an honor and shame culture, especially by those who want to curry favor among those who could do them some good professionally. He focuses on the reason for humbling ourselves in verses 12 through 14. He also said to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Things are different in this world where God reigns. We are blessed to be a blessing. We love because God first loved us. 
We act as we are made to be in the fundamentally transformational relationship that is faith in the one true living God. We get ahead by getting out of God's way. We get ahead by seeking God's will and not our own. We get ahead by stepping back in order to get the broader view given to us by the Holy Spirit and acting on it. Who do we look up to? Who do we curry favor with? Our bosses, government officials, entertainment figures, sports stars. Whose rhymes do we know? Whose songs do we sing? Whose lifestyles do we imitate? And most importantly, why? It was once pointed out to me that we can see the change in human values over time in the construction of our leading cities. Urban communities were once known for their great temples and cathedrals, then for their great art and architecture, then for their great commercial buildings, and today for their massive entertainment and sports complexes. What does that say about our values? What are we before God but beggars? Should not our values, particularly the way we treat one another, say the same? Should not we be generous toward others as God has been immeasurably generous toward us, drawing us out of ourselves and curving our lives toward God's purpose on the cross? To put others first with no expectation of return? Because that is acting in a way that befits repentance and new life, a life that demonstrates the great gift we have received in Jesus Christ on the cross. Mother Teresa was an Albanian nun who established an order of nuns, the Missionaries of Charity, who cared for the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India. She left instructions that when she died, her journals were to be burned. Instead, they were preserved and published. The world was shocked when her innermost thoughts came to light. Her journals were filled with a spiritual emptiness, a longing for something from God. Some read that and said, see, she was a fake. Others read that and said, what a saint to be obedient and faithful while getting nothing in return. Some people say that there is no such thing as altruism, of selfless service to others. They say that when we do good, we feel good, and that that feeling is our reward and the reason why we do the good that we do. Mother Teresa got nothing while spending her life doing what is universally recognized as good works for the sake of others. That humility is not about making less of ourselves, but of living with gratitude for the gifts we have received from God that we can never repay. We are together the church, the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the church. In Christ, and the reconciliation with God that was won for us on the cross, we find our head and with it our true selves in the knowledge of whose we are, and that forever. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self 
the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated. <laughs>